Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Bard, and that's right. We are Wagering Week. We have a lot to talk about today. It's the week of the Ophers and the Ophers the other way. Meaning it's the week where we got a bunch of teams that are 4-0, 3-0, unbeatens out there. The big fat zero is on the right side of the column. But oh my goodness, we do have some zeros on the wrong side. And we're going to talk about how that influences us on a betting perspective. Sure, we know the undefeated teams that are out there. We know who's out there. We know how much the public loves them. Sure, the Bills, Bills Mafia, go crazy. Your team's 4-0. Pittsburgh's 3-0, Tennessee's 3-0, the Kansas City Chiefs are 4-0 to no one's surprise. Well, the Green Bay Packers are 4-0, and so is Seattle 4-0. But how about the other side of the ledger? Other side of the ledger, the Atlanta Falcons are 0-4, the Giants are 0-4, the Jets are 0-4, and yes... The Houston Texans are 0-4 with a new head coach in charge. We'll talk about all of that. First, I want to give you the numbers, 855 the number 4-G-A-R-T-E-N. Also, catch us on Facebook. Write us on Twitter. I love interacting with you guys at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. So let's get right into it, guys. I mentioned the 4-0s. I mentioned the 0-4s. There is a mindset to be had, though, here where it does mean something to us. Because I can tell you, look, Seattle, Green Bay, and oh, the Cincinnati Bengals are the only teams that have covered the spread in all three ga- well, all four games. Cincinnati's 3-0-1, right? So they are all undefeated on the spread. The other teams, well, they're not. But it's the public perception that matters here. It's the public perception that will move a line. We know the squares, if that's what you want to call them. I call them the idiot public, right? We know what they're going to do. Go to any sports book. Oh, mask up, make sure, right? Go to any sports book and go talk to people the day before the game. What are you going to hear? You're going to hear the overreaction, the pumping up of the teams that have the unblemished records. Oh, the Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia. I'm not joking. People in Bills Mafia, you're talking Super Bowl. And you should. Look, Josh Allen's my MVP right now. I get it. But does that mean that the line is going to be inflated a little bit? I think we see it. You know, we saw it early in this week. Earlier this week, you start to see a little bit of that. Maybe the Bills a little overinflated number. Pittsburgh Steelers aren't quite there, but with another win, they'll be kind of sitting there. Kansas City Chiefs, not sure you can inflate them anymore. Their numbers are 13 and a half this week. So that's a big number as well. Green Bay Packers, well, they're starting to get a little inflated line, but people went against them in Atlanta last week. They went against them and went to Atlanta. And then Seattle. Seattle's a little overrated right now, but I think people are realizing that their defense is a little bit banged up as well. So you go, okay, maybe the line's not going to influence that. But how about the line influencing the other way? And this is where the irrational fans come in. If your team's 4-0, most rational fans are going to walk around, outside of maybe the Packers, are going to walk around and they're going to say, all right, we're 4-0, but a lot of season to go. Right, A lot of season to go. Most of these teams that are 4-0 had Super Bowl aspirations as it is. Seattle was talking Super Bowl. Green Bay was talking Super Bowl. Kansas City was clearly talking Super Bowl. Buffalo, there were some rumors out there that, you know what, they was even mentioned by their coaching staff, Super Bowl. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, yet all 
have Super Bowl aspirations. So it's not a shocking thing that they're undefeated through four games or through three in, in their case of Pittsburgh and Tennessee. The other side of the ledger, though, this is where you get the irrational fan. And the irrational fan goes absolutely nuts. Oh, my team stinks. It stinks. It stinks. I'm throwing my hands up. They're terrible. I'm never betting this team again. That. You know what? You know, when you say I'm never betting this team again, you know what that's the equivalent of? That's the equivalent of somebody in their 20s getting too drunk, throwing up at the bar, and right before they go to bed, they tell the whole frat house, I'm never drinking again. We all know it's not true. We're just saying it because it sounds good, right? We all, when you mutter the words, I'm never drink, I'm never doing shots again. When you mutter that at a bar, you go, yeah, see you next weekend, right? Well, sports betting is kind of the same because you have that, well, they burn me once and I'm done mentality, right? I mean, what happens in fantasy, my wife, my, my wife will have, a, we've been in fantasy at least together for 10 years, right? And she plays pretty good leagues, and she'll get a guy that burns her one year. Three years later, the guy could be the MVP of the league, and she's like, I don't want anything to do with him. I, I, I don't care. I don't want him. Why? Because he burned me three years ago. People get like that. They get like that in all respects of life, right? You go through a drive-in, drive-through, all right? Uh, you go get uh, from one of these hamburger joints, and it's like a bad hamburger. Oh, I've never eaten that garbage again. That was terrible. That was, that was like the worst. It, could it could it could be a bad day? Could could it be you? Maybe your taste buds were whatever it might be. People do this, but in sports betting, you can use that mentality. We can use it as rational sports bettors against the irrationality of fans of perception. Meaning, the Atlanta Falcons are zero four. The Atlanta Falcons have bothered people this year because they have big leads and they lose big leads. The Atlanta Falcons people all over the place. I'll never bet this team again. They're terrible. Oh my God, Dan Quinn's got to get fired. This is horrible. I'll never go after them. I look at the Atlanta Falcons and I go, when they're healthy, which they're not this week, but when they're healthy, they're a pretty good roster on the offensive side of the ball. They've had leads in every game. Their defense is banged up, but I mean, they can only get better from here. Atlanta is a circle for me as I think it's going to be a little value there. I think they're going to be catching probably a point or two more than they should because nobody wants to walk up to the counter and take the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of the same thing happened to the Giants last week. Giants were massive double-digit underdogs on the road against the Rams. Nobody wants to go bet the Giants. And I told you guys, and I'll keep saying it, double-digit underdogs are death that's the death nail to sports betters. You don't just you just don't take double digits. You don't lay them. Take the double digit underdogs and be happy with it. And you would have done okay last week, right? The Giants stepped up. They played well. But the team everyone's flipping out about is the New York Jets. New York Jets have a terrible head coach. New York Jets have a quarterback situation which is is just all kinds of messed up right now. Darnold Flacco. That was the conversation all week. Le'Veon Bell still banged up. Perryman's banged up their receiver. Their defense all wants out of town. They got out of town. Now whoever's left over, they don't even want to play, and they're, they're not even doing well. I mean, the Jets are the prototypical, you can't bet it on this team. If you're in a survivor league, people are blindly just betting against the Jets. I know one guy in one of my survivor leagues. I'm in a league with 1,000 people, and there's only like 400 left. One of the guys in my survivor league told us before the year, every single week I'm just betting against the Jets, and he's going to get in trouble when he's got to play, you know, uh, the the second week of the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Patriots. But he's just going to bet against the Jets because he thinks it's the best bet. How can you argue with it? I mean, they have 0-16 written all over them, right? But it's still the NFL. 
And I've still watched the Jets and Sam Darnold play well for a period of time. They 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 fought against Buffalo. They played okay. Right? They fought against Denver. They played okay. Jets are a team this week. You know, you look at it and you go, they're all banged up. Things are bad, but they've had 10 days to prepare. They're catching a touchdown against a West Coast team going east. I'm not telling you this is a buy on Jet spot. I'm just telling you, if the Jets won, I wouldn't be floored. If Jets covered, I wouldn't be floored. So the public perception, maybe Arizona should be like a four, four and a half point dog coming off of two back-to-back losses. Maybe they should be a four, four and a half favorite, I'm saying. Uh, now they're seven because it's the Jets. Okay. And then you have the team that everybody wants to stare at right now. And this has gone the other way, and that's the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are coming in 0-4. The Houston Texans have allowed 126 points against them right now. They have a minus 46-point differential. They're awful. Okay, they're absolutely awful. They own Jacksonville. 10-2 and two against a, uh, ten and two straight up. But Jacksonville does well against the spread. They're 8-2 and two in the last 10 against the spread. Jacksonville against the spread covers the number against Houston. It's getting up there. People think that Houston is the play this week, and everyone's jumping on them. They're jumping on an old four team. Why? Well, Houston's had a rough schedule. Got it. True. But what else? Well, because Bill O'Brien was fired. And you get into the Bill O'Brien conversation, and it's easy to pile on, and the public piles on. And you have to understand that the news cycle does impact the line. It impacts the line because the news cycle impacts the public, and the public therein impacts the line. And we have to know this before anything else in sports betting. You've got to know Vegas, offshores, Jersey, every sports book in the country, they don't care who wins the game. They want equal money to come in on both sides. So they obviously know that the Texans are going to get a lot of action this week. They're going to get a lot of handle this week. Why? Because nobody likes Bill O'Brien. And let's talk about Bill O'Brien for a moment, right? Bill O'Brien is gone, and people are going, wow, the Texans are going to turn their season around. Bill O'Brien, a guy that went to the playoffs, won the division last year, and had a double-digit lead on Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Okay, you can tell me the negative about Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien lost that lead. He's lost big double-digit lead. He traded away DeAndre Hopkins. He is a mess in the front office. I get it. And there's a lot about Bill O'Brien that we have to understand why he's so despised. He put himself in a position to fail. Look, I'm not making excuses for the guy, but I'm going to explain this to you because it comes back to where this line should be. And I'm going to explain the situation as, as easily as I can. You normally have, you have a head coach, you have a general manager, and you have a general manager's, it's like a player liaison. It's the guy that gives the bad news in the negotiation. So you're sitting in a negotiation if you're a player and you're the the owner and you're the general manager and you're sitting in a negotiation and there's the guy that is literally paid to give the bad news, to just bash you, okay? And they say, well, make it all about business. But the guy's job is basically just to break you down, right? He's going to sit there and he's going to go, well, you know what? You caught uh, 12 touchdown passes last year, but uh, y- you didn't catch those other two. You dropped two passes, so that could have been 14. That cost us the game. That cost us. Oh, you know what? You're getting a little older. I don't really like that. Uh, you're losing your hair. Maybe uh, maybe something's going on there. Hey, you gained two pounds. Uh, this guy's going to rip apart every second of your life. That's why they have the buffer. So then when you do shake hands, come to an agreement in your contract, and there's no bad feelings because the GM's going, ah, that guy's kind of a jerk, right? Whew. 
what, what a jerk that guy is. Guess who was the player? We'll call him the liaison at that point. It was Bill O'Brien. He didn't hire the second guy. So when Bill O'Brien, the general manager, was having a conversation with his players, the players, he's having a conversation, bashing them to their face, and then gets out, finally signs the guy. He's going to remember that Bill O'Brien bashed me the entire time. I don't want to play for this idiot anymore. And now they get out onto the field, and he's got to take direction from him as a coach. It's a bad situation. Bill O'Brien set him up himself up to fail. Set himself up to fail. And Bill O'Brien can coach. The guy should never be a part of front office ever again, but he should coach. Here's the thing about Bill O'Brien, though. When you say, well, he's hated. Everybody hates him. I just gave you reasons why. This guy's terrible. Oh, my God. The team's going to rally together. It's going to be great. Oh, Romeo Cornell. He's the next. Oh, 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 it's fantastic. But we know Bill O'Brien could coach, right? And we know he was calling his own plays. We know he was basically the offensive coordinator. We know that. So all of a sudden, Bill O'Brien is going to walk in or walk out the door. Bill O'Brien is going to walk out the door, and here comes a whole new regime. The mindset between people that are going absolutely crazy, pounding the Houston Texans minus the six points, is that Bill O'Brien leaving is good for this game. I don't care about the organization. I don't care about later on. I don't care about next week. I don't care about three weeks. I don't care about the Super Bowl. I don't care about Deshaun Watson five years. No, no, no. People that are betting Houston believe that Bill O'Brien leaving is good for this week. And I'm just here to tell you, this could go the other way. I do think Deshaun Watson has a good game. I think he always will because I think just that highly of Deshaun Watson. But Bill O'Brien leaving isn't the cure-all. Bill O'Brien walking out the door isn't all of a sudden these guys are going to turn around and start fulfilling their greatness. If Houston was going to be good, it's not because Bill O'Brien's now out the door. It's because they get an easy schedule, they get an easier opponent in Jacksonville, and things will start to click. That's why. Speaking of, we often do something else in sports betting that I see happening with this game. And that's why I'm, I'm very interested in talking about this game. What we see in sports betting with this game, this specific one, is you only talk about one team. The conversation this week is about Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien the GM. It's about what he did with Hopkins. It's about the Houston Texans. It's about Deshaun Watson. It's about Romario Cornell. It's a, Notice how I didn't mention anything about Jacksonville. You know there's another team that they're playing, right? And it's another team that they're playing that they can give people fits. They beat the number one defense in the league in the Colts. Now, I'm not telling you that, that they went up and down the field and crushed them. They got to win. Okay, they're catching six points. Gardner Minshew, James Robinson are playing great. Minshew plays outstanding when DJ Chark is healthy. He starts to look healthy again. This is a defense that should get torn apart, but their offense can hang with anybody. So when I look at the Houston Texans minus six points against Jacksonville, and I see 80-something percent, the last time I checked was 83 percent of the public coming in on Houston, that line getting out of control. When I start to see things like this, I got to say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I get where you're coming from. I see your philosophy. I see the mindset. I see the analysis because you want to talk about Houston, 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 Houston. What's good? What's great? Houston's good. Bill O'Brien's out. That's good. Oh, you want to. You're not talking about what could be the fallout from this. And that is that Houston is in a little transitional phase. That Houston 
doesn't hit the ground running because Bill O'Brien, you need a couple of weeks maybe to kind of assess what you have and recall the plays. Who's really in charge now? Offensive coordinator, Romeo Cornell. Is Deshaun Watson going to start calling his own plays? These are things that you have to talk about. And then you have to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are just that fighting, clawing team. So it's okay to still, after everything I said, like the Houston Texans. That's fine. And it's okay to sit back and say, you know what, Tom? I heard what you said. I got your advice, but I'm still going with this team that I think is going to rally. I get that. But you've got to understand, I can give you a litany of examples in sports where everybody believed that the right move was made. And long term, that move was absolutely made and it was the right move. But the initial week after, it didn't work. It didn't hit the ground running. There were distractions. There were problems. And the other team just came into the game of the game plan. So that's something to be careful and be aware of here. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. We're going to come on back. Got a little college talk. Then we're going to go into the big games of the weekend. A couple of my thoughts, and I absolutely will give you everything that you need. Stats, trends, data, everything else. We'll be back right after this on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Oh, what are the odds this week? We're going to look at some history. That's right. What are the odds that Russell Wilson breaks Peyton Manning's single-season touchdown record? Yes, there are odds up. Now, last week, these odds were minus 700 for no, 400 for yes. This week, it's gone even more. People are not believing in Russell Wilson, and it's gone all the way up to 10 to 1 against. Now, it's not necessarily saying, will he break Peyton Manning's records? It's, will he have 55 or more touchdown passes? That is what are the odds. So let's get into that. What are the odds here? Because this is something that everyone was talking about. Before last week, and I mentioned that because everyone was going crazy about this, and I said, eh, it's a long season, right? Before last week, he was on pace to throw for 75 touchdowns. Now, he's on pace for throw for 75 touchdowns. He goes out there, he throws for 360 yards, the most yards that he's had this year, but only two touchdowns against Miami. And his average dropped from, on the projected rate of 75 touchdowns, to 64. That's how quick it, it fell. But I look at Russell Wilson and I go, it may be worth it. You're getting almost 10 to 1 odds. Depending on where you look, I'm seeing minus 900 or minus 10. You're not betting against this because I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons, and a lot of them has to do with Russell Wilson's schedule. Plus 400 was last week. It's all the way up to plus 600. I'm throwing 100 bucks on Russell Wilson breaking this, man. I'm doing it. And why? Well, because, look, Russell Wilson has gone absolutely crazy here. That's number one. He is absolutely flinging the ball all over the field, and the schedule says he's going to continue to do it. He has Minnesota and that porous secondary coming up next. After that, Arizona. That is that Arizona secondary scaring anybody? No, 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 no. Wilson will still be good. Don't forget DJ Metcalf, the super deep threat, averaging over 25 yards per throw. San Francisco. Well, that secondary used to be 
dangerous. I don't know if Sherman's going to be back for that one. Buffalo. Well, Buffalo's defense was really good. Their secondary is going to be great. Oh, wait a minute. They've been thrown all over. The Rams. Oh, Rams. Josh Allen pointed Ramsey out and said, I'm coming after you, and he couldn't stop Stephon Diggs. How about Arizona again? Yeah, we mentioned that. Philadelphia. Philadelphia's normally got a good secondary. Haven't looked like it this year, and they're all banged up. The Giants, that's a joke. The Jets, even more of a joke. Washington, well, they got Landon Collins. Outside of that, you could pick on Washington. The Rams and San Francisco to close it out. I'm looking at 56 touchdowns as the number that you need to cash this ticket. I think he's got a 50-50 shot to get there. So if I have a 50-50 shot and I'm getting 6-1 to odds, I think he's going to get there, guys. I know it's a crazy number to say. And you could tell me that Russell Wilson has slowed down recently in the last at the end of the year and Pete Carroll wants to the weather gets nasty we'll go to more of a running attack sure. I get that, okay? I think a lot is going to depend on the next 2 weeks to see how he rides this out. The thing is this is that Russell Wilson is a guy that doesn't care about individual rewards. He's a guy that only cares about winning and only cares about rings. But I think if he goes into like week 13 with a shot here, knowing that the whole league is drooling over Patrick Mahomes, knowing that the league is drooling over Lamar Jackson, knowing that he's never gotten an MVP vote in his life, if he goes into week 13 and has a chance... I think he goes absolutely crazy abusing at home the Giants and the Jets. I think he does. He's got the Giants and the Jets back-to-back at home in Seattle. I think he could abuse them. That's why I think he could get there. That's why I think. You go, well, he's got, you know, he's got to uh, throw 56, which means he's got to go out there and throw 40 more. You know, 40 more. 40 more sounds like a lot, guys. He's got to average... About three and a half touchdowns a game. So he's going to have to have a pop game here or there, right? He's going to have to have one of those four, five touchdown games. He's already had two, five touchdown games. So I think this week is going to determine a lot. That total in Minnesota is massive, 57 and a half. It's a massive total in Minnesota. Minnesota, I think that's going to be a shootout. Chris Carson's still banged up. This is the perfect time to him to add to it. So I wanted to get you out in front of this one. Because if Russell Wilson goes out there and throws four or five touchdowns this week, you're going to hear the conversation come up again. People are really going to be interested in will Russell Wilson break this record because now it seems attainable. You know, two touchdowns last week that banged him up a little bit, hurt a little bit, but now it seems attainable. All right, before we get to the NFL, just a couple of good college football games I want to talk about this week. And it's starting to ramp up, right? You're starting to see all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, conference plays pretty cool. Every week you got a good conference game. Even the not great conference games are good conference games. Clemson-Miami is one of them. It opened up at 16. It's down to 14, over under 63. Clemson is a team that likes to flex their muscles when they have the ability to do so. And they really like to beat teams that they feel like maybe are getting talked about uh, nipping at their heels. That's who Miami is. Miami, if they want to win this game, King's got to play at a tremendous rate. You know, I don't believe that Miami has any chance to win this game. 14's a large number, but I don't I don't think that this game is going to be as good as advertised because I think Clemson just turns it up when they need to turn it up. That's that kind of team. Virginia Tech, North Carolina will be a good game. North Carolina's a five-point favorite. V Tech can run the ball, and that's going to be a, a problem there for them. 
We have the Red River Shootout, which I don't think I could call anymore, right? What am I supposed to call this thing? Well, it's Texas, Oklahoma. That's what it is. Oki is minus two and a half. 72 and a half is the over under there. Texas catching points here. Once again, Oklahoma already had their letdown. This will be a pretty good game. Alabama, Mississippi. Alabama's 24 point favorites on the road against Ole Miss. Oof. How things have changed. Florida, Texas A&M, which is surprisingly going to be one of the better games of the day. Florida going on the road to Texas A&M. The number opened at 7. It's down to 6. People are betting Texas A&M as a home underdog Jimbo Fisher. But, man, Florida has looked for real, haven't they? Florida looks like they are the absolute real deal right now. Want to talk about COVID concerns. How about Notre Dame? They're all banged up with COVID. They're missing players all over the field. But they're taking on Florida State, who basically is just a missing program right now. They're laying 20 in that game. So that's kind of the college football board. It is a good week. It's starting to get into those interesting weeks. With a couple of upsets here or there, this could start to get real entertaining. We do know that the Big Ten's coming back. Pac-12's getting coming back. How much leverage Will the committee give to them? Do they have any wiggle room? Do they have any area? So these are all questions that I think we're going to be able to answer coming up in the next couple of weeks for sure. All right, let's get back into the NFL. I told you I'm going to go over all the games here. Let's start it off. Carolina, Atlanta. Look, Carolina came in with Teddy Bridgewater being a placeholder, right? And then all of a sudden, Carolina Panthers, wait a minute, they're good? Oh, yeah, they are. They have faced some really good quarterbacks here. And what they've done is allow just one quarterback to throw for over 240 yards. And that was Justin Herbert that threw 49 attempts to get to that 240 number. Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, that's who's in this group. You look at the Carolina Panthers and you say, they don't have the big names. They don't have the star talent. Christian McCaffrey banged up, but man, they're stringing this together and they're playing tough. Atlanta on the other end, they're banged up. Julio Jones, we don't know what he's going to be. We don't know exactly what happened last week with Calvin Ridley, who was just shut out. He had 300-yard games in a row and then completely shut down in a game that they absolutely needed him against a cornerback that's not very good and a defense that's not very good. Atlanta's got to get something going, and I feel like their defensive deficiencies are bleeding into their offensive mindset. Now, they are a small favorite. It is at home where Matt Ryan loves, and Matt Ryan is still playing at an elite level. Tough game here. Kansas City against Vegas. Kansas City is drooling at the opportunity to go and take on Vegas. Look, they just absolutely dominate this series. Nine of the last 10 they've won. They've covered in nine of the last 10. They dominate this team. Las Vegas, terrible defensively. 25th or worse in the top five categories. They only average one sack a game, which is 30th in the league. They only average a half a takeover a game, which is 31st in the league. The Las Vegas Raiders defense is just bad. And if you can't get anybody to even breathe on Patrick Mahomes and touch Patrick Mahomes, he's going to have a field day. Oh, by the way, not to mention, Patrick Mahomes has got to be a little angry that he only put up six points and a half against Bill Belichick. Now, he won the game, and he had a good second half, but that was not a typical Pat Mahomes situation. It's very rare that a $500 million man that owns a baseball team is the MVP. He's in his like young 20s. He's in every commercial. He's the face of the league. It's very rare that the Super Bowl champion is going to be frustrated coming into a game, he is probably going to be angry and want to take out his frustrations. This is a game that he can absolutely do it. Vegas, on the other hand, look, getting 13.5 or 14 points in a divisional game is usually gold, but oof, I will tell you, Vegas defense is just bad. 
Denver, New England, who knows? And that's I'm being serious here. Who knows about this game? And it's not me saying who knows. The sports books don't know. During the week, Thursday during this week, you could walk into the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas and catch a 10 number. That's right. New England was minus 10 in Las Vegas at Westgate. You go to DraftKings in New Jersey, it was 5. Why? Because we don't know who's starting a quarterback, not only for Denver, but also for New England. They just didn't know. So this is one of those games you kind of have to leave alone. I will tell you this, though. Bill Belichick, he's got 115 wins against the spread against teams that didn't make the playoffs the next year. He abuses bad teams when they're bad again, and they're continuously bad. Denver, you could call them, well, maybe they're not a bad franchise. No, but they've been bad for a couple of years, and they fit that role. Washington Rams, this number opened at 9.5. I thought it was massively large for a team that is making its third East Coast trip in just a very short amount of time, month and a half here. The Rams on the road laying 9.5, I thought it was a way overshot should have been seven. Well, it's settled back, and it's seven now. Washington is a team that you kind of look at the points, and you go, yeah, you know what? The points are intriguing. The points are interesting here, but how do you really go against this Rams team with Washington, who at quarterback is just lost? Dwayne Haskins right now should not be the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. Look, they have decent skill position players. I think Gibson's a player. I think McLaren's a player. Outside of that, he's looking for stuff, but it falls on Haskins' shoulders. And the Rams are rolling right now. They're playing really well. I know they struggled against the Giants. Didn't matter. Got a win. They almost won that Buffalo game. They're that close away from being one of those undefeated teams that I was talking about. I mean, they are that close from being that team. Arizona and the Jets. Oh, let's talk about overreaction. We mentioned the Jets, right? This line is a weird, fishy line to me. First of all, it opened up at 8.5 and it's down to 7. There was conversation during the week that Joe Flacco would start, Sam Darnold would start, you know, maybe I was starting. Nobody knew. There was, was Perryman going to start? Is Le'Veon Bell coming back? There was so many question marks surrounding the Jets, but this isn't really why this line is weird to me. This line is weird to me because... As bad as the Jets are, situational football still tells you that the Arizona Cardinals are on the East Coast for the second week in a row, a road game for the second week in a row. They've lost two games in a row that they've been favored over. They are terrible historically as favorites in any time, but this team, the last two years, as favorites, they just don't cover, guys. Okay, So I see a number out there that's seven. As bad as the Jets are, and I can't walk up to the counter and say, give me the New York Jets. No way. But as bad as the New York Jets are, you look at this team and you just say, you know, catching a touchdown at home, is Arizona going to be angry and be able to get this together? Or is this the Arizona team that we really are looking at, right? Which is a team that can't win on the road and just hasn't ever been able to win on the road. Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. I want to dig in here because I do like Pittsburgh in this game, so I'm not going to try to play both sides of the fence for this one. I like Pittsburgh. I don't understand why the line's only seven. Look, if you're telling me right now that the Pittsburgh Steelers against Philadelphia was going to be played a neutral site game with everybody healthy, I may lay the seven. That's how highly I think about the Steelers. I've said it before. I think the Steelers are the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs title in the league. I think that's how good the Pittsburgh Steelers are, okay? The Pittsburgh Steelers, to me, are that good. And if they were completely healthy and on a neutral field, I might lay the seven. Now you shift the focus over to, well, it's in October. Tomlin is 7-1-1 his last nine October games. Okay, that helps out. Still, this number is only seven. Now you move it to Pittsburgh, 
at home, I love it. I know it's a keystone battle. It's between the two Pennsylvania cities here. I like the seven here. Now you talk about Pittsburgh got a bye week because of the corona scare in Tennessee and what happened there. So not only did they get the bye week, but I talked to people in Pittsburgh. I talked to reporters, and I asked them about the bye week and what exactly the impact was and, and whatnot. And they said they kind of knew right away that they weren't going to be playing, or at least the odds were going to be very short with them playing. Now, they didn't flat out tell their team we're starting to prepare for the Eagles, but I can tell you what, the coaches and the players' mindset was, yeah, you know what, this week not going to play. We're, gonna, we're on to the Eagles. Gives them more time to prepare. They treated it almost like a quasi-bye week. So now you have Pittsburgh at home in October with a bye week, still minus seven. And then you have the Eagles. I ask everybody often, is it a one-week jump-off point? What would the number have been here if the Philadelphia Eagles would have lost that game to San Francisco? 10? 11? Do you think that that line was so impressive for the Eagles? That game was so impressive that it should move the line this number? Do you think that the Eagles beating up a backup quarterback, a backup running back, two backup wide receivers, a backup defensive end, a backup defensive tackle, a backup cornerback, do you think that that was that impressive? Is that was what, what made this fall three or four points? Because a lot of the what is going on with the Eagles is they're bag, banged up and it's going to be a problem too. T.J. Watt, Dupree, they're going to abuse a line that is missing all kinds of key pieces. Sanders didn't look 100% healthy. Their wide receivers didn't look healthy. Their defense is good, but it's not great. Pittsburgh's averaging over 140 yards on the ground per game. To me, I don't see an angle that you could possibly take the Eagles here. Normally, I try to give you both sides of this thing. Okay, The only side that you can say is everybody suddenly gets healthy for the Eagles and Wentz has a great game. Two weeks ago, I heard people, I was defending Carson Wentz. I heard people two weeks ago telling me Carson Wentz should be benched for Jalen Hurts. I thought it was absurd. Now all of a sudden they're only seven-point underdogs at home or on the road against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's only seven-point favorites? Yeah, I, I like Pittsburgh in this spot. How about Baltimore-Cincinnati? This is another massive line. Look, double-digit favorite last week. They opened at 13, closed at 14.5. They won the game by 14. That is a loss, a double-digit favorite in most people's books, and a push at best at that point. Take it on Cincinnati. Look, Cincinnati's bad. We know that. Now, Baltimore's going to win this game. They are 29-1 straight up in this spot as a double-digit favorite at home. Cincinnati, 1-29 straight up as a double-digit underdog on the road. They're not winning this game. Baltimore's winning this game. There's a 30-game stretch with data that goes both ways. Baltimore's winning the game. You people in your survivor pools, take Baltimore and sleep easy. But to cover a 13-point number, I warned you last week about the double-digit favorites. I've warned people my entire career to stay away from double-digit favorites. And people continue to go to the well and take double-digit favorites. This is a dangerous double-digit favorite. It's a dangerous double-digit favorite because of the backdoor touchdown. There are certain teams that you have to worry more than others about a backdoor touchdown. Teams that are growing, teams that are young coaches, teams that have young quarterbacks. They have something to prove. If you're an old, experienced coach and you're getting beat by 20, you might say, yeah, you know what? We're getting beat by 20. Fold it up. Don't worry about it. We're, you know, we're, we're a good team anyway. We'll burn this tape and move on to next week. Cincinnati's not doing that. Cincinnati wants to give Joe Burrow every 
piece of good feeling and emotion that he has. They want to build him up. Zach Taylor's a young coach. He wants to get built up. So Cincinnati might be losing this game by 20, and they might be taking timeouts with eight seconds to go to try to get in the end zone. That's the kind of backdoor cover that you're worried about. They may score and go for two. I mean, this is what you're worried about with a situation when you have a team like Cincinnati. Young coach, young quarterback. You look at that backdoor cover. Baltimore's going to be able to run all day. They're going to be run all day. By the way, J.K. Dobbins and Edwards should be leading the way because Mark Ingram is averaging 35 yards a game on the ground. They should be able to run all day. Expect a massive show-me kind of game by Lamar Jackson here. Absolutely. But I worry about Cincinnati. I worry about that late. 20-point lead, dwindling down, going for two. You get backdoored and people throwing things at the screen. I'm worried about that. All right, guys. We got a lot more to talk about in the future. But now, let's bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to to the future. MVP season is here. That's right. We're one-fourth of the way into the season, and the MVP numbers have come out. Oh, the odds for the MVP. Some of them are not changed, right? Patrick Mahomes is sitting at plus 250. He was about... Three to one, two to one, depending on where you shop before the year. But somebody has jumped him. That's right. We talked about Russell Wilson. He's now the favorite in the clubhouse to win the MVP award at plus 150. And if he does like we talked about, and that is break the record, well, you could bet that he's going to win the MVP. How about in third place? Well, Aaron Rodgers is plus 500 sitting in third place with the fifth best odds, or the fifth worst odds, we can say, to win the MVP. Rodgers' odds were 14 to one on September 15th. And they have just absolutely continued to improve. Josh Allen is 11 to 1, and Lamar Jackson falls all the way down from about 5 to 1 to 14 to 1. That is bet to the future. Now just oh, real quick here, guys. Look, Russell Wilson is not my MVP. From a betting aspect, Russell Wilson's the smartest play. We heard before the year, we heard last year, oh, Russell Wilson never received an MVP vote. All right, you know that. It was already set up for him to win this, okay? Patrick Mahomes is always going to to be right in the running. So I understand throwing your money on Wilson. I get it on Mahomes. I don't think you should throw your money on Mahomes right now. I mean, it's Wilson. It's Wilson's award to win, but he's only plus 150. So I'm not going to either one of them. Forget about Aaron Rodgers, okay? Because as good as Aaron Rodgers is, he has a tendency to fall off later on in the year. And he's not going to be able to sustain this kind of rate and this kind of consistency. Lamar Jackson, I I didn't like him before the year, and I don't like it now. Josh Allen's my guy, man. I had Josh Allen before the year. I told you guys on the air I'm taking a stab at 50-1. to Josh Allen's still at 11-1, a little bit of odds. But I do expect Josh Allen, when the things start to get cold, when he starts playing real good teams, real good defenses, he starts running with his legs, and they go to a ground game and play defense. Uh, right now, it's hard to argue on Russell Wilson, but plus 150 just doesn't give me enough bite to go into this game. All right, let's talk about the late games. You got Miami, San Francisco. Like I said, San Francisco is just all banged up. This is a game you stay away from. I like Fitzpatrick. I like what he does, but it's almost two a time. I am a big Fitzpatrick fan. I love his career. But they have to see what they have in two. Why? Well, because they own... First of all, they have their own first-round draft pick, which looks like right now it's going to be a top-10 pick. The Houston Texans are 0-4. They own they owe Miami a first-round draft pick. Miami could have two, maybe three top-10 picks. That's incredible. 
So if you have two or three top 10 picks, and let's say the Jets decide, you know what, we're going to stay with Sam Donald, we're going to make a trade. The Giants decide, I'm going to stay with Daniel Jones, I'm going to make a trade. Everything falls apart in Houston, well, they're not going to take that pick, you know, right? Even if they had it, they wouldn't take it. Well, that means Miami gets the first round pick. You have an opportunity that the Miami Dolphins could potentially land Trevor Lawrence. And you go, well, what about Tua? Well, what about him? Because you have to find out what you have in him. I don't know. I don't know how healthy he is. I thought it was a good pick. I was on Team Tua, man. I thought it was a good pick. I thought that the Dolphins had to take him right after Burrow. If I was in the number two spot, I would have taken Tua. I thought the Dolphins did a real good job. But it's time to see what you have. Now, you can argue you don't do it this week against San Francisco, sure. But I think it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time, meaning a matter of a week or two. As far as San Francisco goes, Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to come back. How healthy is he going to be? I don't know. Mostert's supposed to come back. How healthy is he going to be? I don't know. They're still without Richard Sherman who's now practicing this week. They're going to be without Bosa for the year. A lot of their wide receivers are still banged up. It's just a banged up team. The line has been bouncing all over the place. It's more than a touchdown. I sort of lean Miami, but yeah, this is one of those stay away games. Dallas against the Giants is the interesting line of the week. The interesting line of the week because it opened at 11 and went down to 9.5. And, and it's not because people were betting the Giants, guys. It was just a bad opening number. Dallas at 9.5. Who is Dallas to be laying 9.5 to anybody? Now, you look on paper and you go, they're massively talented, Tom. They are. Dak Prescott's having a fantastic year, and he's massively talented. Ezekiel Elliott is talented. CeeDee Lamb's having a good year. Cooper's having a good year. They're all having good years on the offensive side of the ball. But their defense is absolutely rotten. Mike McCarthy turned around this week and said, I'm giving a vote of confidence to Mike Nolan and the defensive coordinator. They're allowing 430 yards per game and 36.5 points per game. The hell is this guy doing? Yeah, you just don't say nothing. Just don't say anything because you look like a fool. You look stupid. But this is the week to get right. You can only blame Van Der Esch and Lee for so long being out of this thing. Dallas's defense is putrid right now. It's absolutely horrible. The Giants played good defense last week against the Rams. This is a 9.5 number. But the 9.5 number tells you something. It tells you that the people, the public, the lines makers, whatever you want to tell me, who wants to come out with this nine and a half? They expect Dallas to get things right this week. This is the get right week. They had 25,000 people in the stands last week, set a new COVID record year. 25,000 people in the stands. They're supposed to expand it. Should be about 30 screaming fans down in Dallas, home game. Everything's falling apart. Jerry World is crumbling. The sky is falling. Get the rival Giants in there. This is the time to take out your frustrations on the Giants. I don't know if I believe in that defense can do that. I don't know if their defense has it in them to do it. Cleveland and Indy speak about defense. Indy, number one defense in the NFL. Albeit they haven't faced a, an offense like Cleveland. Cleveland is rolling right now. But Cleveland's rolling, and they're rolling along. But I don't see the smooth sailing that everybody else sees. What I see is Nick Chubb, who is their focal point, in a running attack is out. I see Kareem Hunt in a running attack focused offense is banged up. I see Odell Beckham having a huge game down in Dallas. Well, because he wanted to play that one. Is he going to get up here at home against Indy? I'm not sure. I see a Cleveland defense that still was exposed and in the fourth quarter abused by the Dallas Cowboys. Indy 
on the other hand, I don't believe in Philip Rivers. I look at Philip Rivers and I go, you know, he's still turnover prone. He's still getting up there in age. He's showing his age a little bit this year, right? Philip Rivers is not a guy that I want to go and back with my hard-earned money, even if the defense is good, even if I believe in the running game. And that's where Indy sits with me. Seattle, Minnesota, we talked about it briefly. Look, 57 and a half is the total. That is just a massive, massive number, guys. 57 and a half is a massive number. I think it's a shootout. Minnesota does get Hunter back this week, so he should be in Wilson's face. And you can't like Seattle's defense and what they've been doing. Jamal Adams is out, Bruce Irvin is out. Uh, but even when they were in there, this defense is just porous. This is a bad defense that is being covered up by MVP-level play by Russell Wilson. It's the theme of the show. Russell Wilson is the MVP odds-on favorite right now. Russell Wilson, there are prop bets. Will he beat the all-time touchdown record? And Seattle is being saved because of one man. And that's it. I mean, that's that's it right there. You can get to him if you're Hunter. If you can get to them, this team will crumble in a heartbeat. And that's why I don't love laying the seven, even at home, even in the spot. Now, if this was Seattle... Uh, an 8 o'clock game on a Sunday night, and Q Field was going crazy, and that place is the second loudest or the loudest building in the NFL. Yeah, you, you got me thinking I got to go with Seattle here, but none of that is the case. We live in a COVID world here, boys, and we're living in a COVID world where there's not a lot of crowd, not for Seattle, and Minnesota's coming in, getting a little bit healthier. This is a This is a... Interesting game on both the line and the total. How about New Orleans at the Chargers? Again, another spot. Monday night football, Drew Brees, loud. New Orleans being New Orleans, getting crazy, throwing beads. Oh, yeah. I'd be all over Brees. Not going to be that. It's not going to be the situation. Not going to be that situation on Monday night. And then Justin Herbert scares me. I'm flat out telling you he's a frightening guy to bet against. He's turning into that. Now, they are without Austin Eckler, which is clearly a problem. But... Herbert still looked good when Eckler was out of the game. Justin Herbert has now faced Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, looked them in the eye, and played really well in both games. Tom Brady had that big lead. Brady had to go crazy to get that lead from him. He almost beat Mahomes. And I know a lot of that is the Chargers' defense, who is, look, they're missing Melvin Ingram, and that hurts, of course. But it's also Justin Herbert being a rookie and saying, I'm not going to shy away from the MVP. I'm not going to shy away from the GOAT. I'm going to go gunning for you, and here we go. And that's what he's done. He's gone big over the top. He's targeting Keenan Allen. He's having no fear, and the Saints secondary is flat-out playing poorly. They're a bad secondary right now. I know they have injuries, but they're playing bad. 51 is the over-under. This is a game where you wonder if Mike Thomas is going to kind of come running out of that tunnel, right? If he does come running out of the tunnel, is he hobbled running out of that tunnel? Kamara, look, Alvin Kamara's team is the running game, but it's the pass-catching game out of the backfield. With Mike Thomas, it becomes so much more important. Nobody can stop Alvin Kamara. This is a tough game to go in. I just, I would normally be all over Breeze. Herbert scares me right now. So that's kind of the rundown, guys. I want to mention something here about totals before we head out. And... The totals in the NFL are increasingly large, and the books are adjusting. We saw total last week, all the totals except for one went over in the early window. The week before that, all the totals but two went in over in the early window. Uh, all the 
all the totals during the Sunday day went over. All of them in the early window. Overs, 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 overs. Well, the lines makers are not going to just sit back and enjoy this, okay? They are going to adjust, and this week they may have adjusted. There are seven games that have over a 50 total. There are five of those seven games have over a 54 total. We have a 57 and a half number on the board. We have a couple of 56s on the board. This is a big-time adjustment by the books. Early in the year, I was asking former players, coaches, and whatnot what they thought about how these teams are going to play in a COVID age where you don't get OTAs and whatnot. And generally, to a man, they said, offenses are going to play better. Because you can get out there as a quarterback and in your backyard throw balls to your wide receiver. Throw balls to your running back and your tight end, and they could do drills like that. You can't really do defensive drills. You kind of just need to get into it. So we're going to start seeing a regression back to the defense here. That's natural. We also have the lines makers adjusting the lines. So I don't know if we have one or two more weeks here where we could pound some overs and really hurt the books. But I do know it's not going to go on forever, right? They're going to adjust the lines. They're going to make a massive adjustment. You're going to start to see some unders coming in. It's better to be ahead of the curve than under the curve. So it's something to pay attention to. These big, giant numbers seem like no-brainers. Carolina, Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta's got no defense. Okay, well, Atlanta didn't have a lot of offense on Monday night either. Vegas, Kansas City. Oh, yeah, Kansas City's going to go absolutely crazy. Well, Vegas, you know what? Kansas City's defense has looked pretty good, Vegas. Just letting you know. They've looked good so far. That number's a 56-and-a-half. Houston, Jacksonville. Oh, number's 54. It's going to be crazy. Well, if it is pumped up and Romeo Cornell is the guy, it's going to emphasize defense, and Houston might be able to shut down Jacksonville. Cincinnati, Baltimore. 51. Oh, oh man. Lamar Jackson's going to run like crazy, man. Watch this. He's going to have like four touchdowns. It's going to be a sick game. They're going to run all over Cincinnati. You just mentioned running the ball. That eats the clock. And Baltimore's defense was one of the top five defenses coming in. All right, that number's 51. Dallas Giants. Oh, Dallas got no defense. Oh, it's terrible. Absolutely horrible. Well, who are the Giants, how are they doing offensively? They they impressing anybody out there? 57 and a half in Seattle, Minnesota. Oh, man, well, you, we don't know. Everything's going to go. Seattle, 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 up over the top. Oh, no, you can't score on them. You can't. Minnesota's getting Hunter back. Minnesota looked good defensively against Deshaun Watson last week. Something to watch out for. And I gave you the argument with the Chargers and New Orleans. A lot of Alvin Kamara. I can see that happening. Justin Herbert making mistakes. Three and outs because he's a little rattled in the first quarter. That gives you the under right there. When you start getting into totals that are into the 50s, guys, two series where it's an extended drive and they don't get anything, two series where you go eat four minutes off the clock and, and you come away with no points and have to punt, that could ruin your under right there. There's little margin for error when you start getting into the mid to upper 50s on an NFL total. So there's seven totals over 50. We'll monitor this. And next week, I'm going to talk about how many of these seven big-time numbers came in under the number. All right, guys. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend. All the games. See how many 4-0 teams turn to 5-0. 3-0 teams turn to 4-0. And can anyone get off the schneid? We have a couple of teams out there looking at 0-16 right in the face. It's the battle for Trevor Lawrence. And we'll see how that is handled going into next week. Will more coaches lose their jobs? 
I certainly think that we're going to be looking at a couple more coaches pretty soon. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.